I'm really excited because the more I listen to the soundtrack, the more mad I am. Righteous ring. <laughs> So, welcome to Bottomless Broadway, where we talk musicals over mimosas, or like, not mimosas. Mostly wine. I don't know what you're drinking, but I'm mostly just drinking wine all the time. Yeah, because we have lives and we don't actually spend our weekend brunches doing this. But anyways, we did the impossible and today we will be reviewing Moulin Rouge. I have five words for you. All right, let's hear them. They're not that exciting. Now I'm a little embarrassed. Okay. My five words are not my elephant love medley. Hmm. Yes. They do change it up a lot. What are yours? Mine are come for spectacle, not plot. I mean, the plot really stays the same. I mean, yeah, but like if you're expecting a Broadway musical with a real plot, Moulin Rouge is not the show to go to. Yeah. They didn't add anything to the plot to like update it they or make changed it. changed it a little bit, which I think was mostly a good thing and we can get into that later. But I just want to say like... When we watched the Forbidden Broadway version of Moulin Rouge, they do like a parody of the Diamond Medley. And then I forget what else they do, but they kind of enact, like reenact the rest of the story. And Nashir, who I went with, had never seen Moulin Rouge before, like either the movie or the musical. And I was like, this is basically all you need to know about Moulin Rouge. Like, this is the, this is the story. This is it. <laughs> the, the diamonds in my wazoo. That's how they like to dress me. So good. Oh my god, everyone was laughing really hard. Yeah, um, though before we like officially start, I want to... Well, first of all, we're going to be talking about the whole show. So like, if you haven't seen the movie and don't want spoilers, then like... Like, fuck you. Yeah, just <laughs> come listen to this later. Um, the other thing is, I feel like we should establish our own personal interest in the movie. Like, that way, if there are people listening to this who are huge fans of the movie, they kind of know where we are coming from. But... Yeah, I like watched it once three years ago, thought it was very strange, but surprisingly fun. And then haven't really thought about it that much since until this musical okay. came out. I watched it two and a half years ago only because I bought expensive tickets to the Moulin Rouge immersive event held by Secret Cinema in London. And I wanted to go to a burlesque event. So I got tickets to it, and Kathy was like, you got to watch this shit. So I did, and I was like, that was pretty weird. <laughs> so I wasn't super into it, and then at the event, they made us watch it again, and I was like, okay. And then after that, I still didn't really care about the plot, but I did like the songs quite a bit. And then during last, well, um, like beginning of 2018's Winter Olympics, when Tess and Scott skated to a Moulin Rouge medley, I was like, okay, now I'm sad. So <laughs> that was a fantastic <laughs> Because I love them. It maybe, was so good. It was, yeah, it was actually. We should maybe just amazing. link that because it's fucking amazing. Yeah, we'll, we'll put a link to that in the show notes. So, okay, well, plot. So hopefully no one really needs this summary because if you haven't seen it, what are you doing? Although, like, I don't know if we should be saying that because we only saw it three years ago (laughs) and also i feel like the way the musicals created it's definitely geared towards people who have seen the movie so i don't 
I would be really curious to hear from someone who yeah. like had no clue what the movie was and then saw this musical and just to see what they thought about it. Yeah, there's some plot points that I feel like they kind of glossed over and would be difficult to understand without having watched the movie, too. But, I mean, the general premise is pretty simple, right? So, like, a dumb American named Christian moves to France during the Bohemian Revolution and falls in love with a French hooker named Satine. So it's like super campy because it's like Christian, Satan. Get oh. it? <laughs> uh-huh. Wait, Anyways. I did that, but then I forgot about that until now. So sad for Christian. This French hooker has pawned her loving skills and genitals to a duke who really just wants what he paid for. Plus, it's like Paris. So can both of these guys find other women? Like, probably. Satine gets caught cheating. Well, no, if Satine gets caught cheating, then the burlesque that she works at, the Moulin Rouge, will shut down because even though it's the most popular hangout spot during the Bohemian Revolution, I guess most of their clients are broke artists. And she really cares about saving the club for her fellow dancers even though most of them aren't not that nice to her actually plot twist she has tuberculosis and dies as everyone does in 20th century france (laughs) exactly so that's that's the story if you haven't watched the movie it's also basically la traviata (laughs) crossed with la boheme and yeah um apparently Boss Lerman, who originally did the movie and came up with this, also drew from Orpheus and Eurydice. And I think that's kind of apt as far as how dumb Christian and Orpheus and Hades sound both are. I had a lot of problems with both of that. No one's particularly smart. There's like the innocent and the sinner. I liked Satine no one's that way smart. better in the musical than I did in the movie. I will say that. Really? I liked her in the movie. She was fine in the movie, but I just didn't have strong feelings about her either way. And I I feel like I actually didn't hate Christian as much in the movie. Like, they were both just kind of, like, there. I wasn't super invested in either of them. But in the musical, I was like, Satine is doing all this shit, and Christian is just coming around and fucking it all up because he's in love and can't keep it in his pants, and... Is like, <laughs> I need you to kiss me right now, even though we're at rehearsal for our job that is trying to save our future. I don't know. I really liked um, Nicole Kidman. Also, random note, this was um, the first movie that she did after her divorce from Tom Cruise. So it was like her revenge body <laughs> mu- movie. So like that worked out know. well. I liked it because, well, so like the Nicole Kidman Satine is um, very coy. And then Kenelova Satine is like twerking to single ladies. Yeah. So she's a fantastic dancer, by the way. I like hadn't realized. Yeah. That. And I was like, you're great. It's confusing. Like, I think like Kenelova's playing kind of like the ideal woman of like this current generation. And maybe like Nicole Kidman Satine was like more fit for 18 years ago. It's definitely, you like- know. Nicole Kidman is more of that sort of, um, like you said, coy, and also just like that sort of very pale, very like idealized, um, like white. Yeah, I don't know. But then Karen Olivo has a lot more like, she seems more independent, and she seems less helpless, I guess, but she kind of ends up being helpless anyway, because the people around her just keep fucking up shit. Yeah, but then Aaron Tourette's 
Christian is very similar to Ewan McGregor's Christian. Maybe because guys don't change. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably pretty true. They're both just like very dopey and lovesick. Yeah, and like, like, guys don't have to change. Yeah. Should we like jump into the first very, very, very long number? Yeah. I will say I was debating whether or not to rewatch the movie before we recorded this. But Me too. I didn't, and instead I just listened to two podcasts recapping the movie in very snarky ways. So, yeah, I listened to like most of the songs from like the movie soundtrack, which also again those songs aren't besides um, like the Diamond Medley and um, Elephant Love Medley. I feel like a lot of those songs aren't very listenable, like um, the. Because you can, can, can. I got tired of that. Like halfway through, I was like, "All right, cool, moving yeah. on." Rhythm of the night yeah. is what Diamond Dogs. Nah, uh, yeah. So I was like, you know, as far as like overall soundtracks go, like the musical definitely improved on that one. But they also fucked it up. Yeah. All right. Cool. <laughs> Let's get into that. Um, okay. So the opening number, Lady Marmalade. Yeah. And then because we can, I just like I don't love that song. Like, I know it's like can can and it makes sense. But that's the but only reason it's, it's so in there. It's weird. It's because they repeat the word I can know. and they want the can can reference. Because can can can. Because can can can. Can 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 Well, so just to, yeah, so just to get a sort of feel of what this musical is. Um, on Wikipedia, it lists each of the track listings on the cast recording. And this opening number, which is titled Welcome to the Moulin Rouge, includes the songs Lady Marmalade, Because We Can, Minnie the Moocher, Gallop Inferno, Hold Up, The Magic Flute Overture, which I did not notice at all, Amores Como El Nuestro, Mr. Big Stuff, So Fresh, So Clean, Money, That's What I Want, Ride With Me, Burning Down the House, Walk This Way, Where It's At, Let's Dance, my lovin', you're never gonna get it. Twist and shout, and you spin me round like a record. There's, well, there's definitely also hips don't lie. So I don't know where that is. Also, fun fact: there are seventy sh- songs in this show with like 161 different writers, which meant they had to go to every one of those 161 different writers and ask for permission to use these songs. And that's how they all made it into the show. They use like one line from each song and like there are so many songs they could have done without. Yeah, it was kind of just a like they had a $28 million capitalization. So they had $28 million to play with. And they're like, how many songs can we add to this show? And as like a um, benchmark, the average Broadway musical is like $10 million. So this is more than double what an average cost of a Broadway musical is. How much are they paying Aaron? Do we know? No clue. Um, I feel like their highest cost is probably just paying royalties to all the writers for all 70 oh, songs, yeah. of which 25 are in Elephant Love Met. Okay, so to set the scene is like, Welcome to the Moulin Rouge is obviously the Moulin Rouge. It's super red. Starts with the Can Can Dancers, and then they do Lady Marmalade, and then Harold Dealer comes up, who's like the pimp. I don't know, a very kind pimp. And the owner, the owner of Moulin Rouge, he's like, because we can, can, can. And then, um, so all of that is still mostly from the movie. And then um, 
Harold introduces the Duke, which starts on the do 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 do. That's hips don't lie. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, the I can literally find it. Hold on, this. Yeah. So that's what the Duke comes in on. I don't fucking know why. <laughs> and then it's just like a bunch of random shit. Aaron Tveit comes on stage and does not have an appearance applause, which actually surprised me. I was actually surprised that like no one really had entrance applause, right? I don't think so. I don't think anyone did. Yeah, which honestly, I hate entrance applause, so I'm like all for it. But um, yeah, I was actually surprised. It was kind of a weird opening number. So I listened to the um, the recording before I saw the show. I listened to it like when it was first released. First of all, it's actually a really short album. It's only like an hour total. Um, and I remember listening to this opening number and being like, this sounds like a mess. Um, part of some of it is a little bit clever in how they intertwine the melodies. But then a lot of it is just like, all right, we finished that first part with like Lady Marmalade. Let's go on to Because We Can. And it just like basically has a full stop in the middle. And then it's like, all right, we're going to do a new song now. And I was like, this is very confusing. And they do do the thing where they kind of like an elephant love medley in the movie where they do just sneak in one line because they can yeah but no one really laughed at this one it was like an okay enough mashup that no one started laughing i think there wasn't maybe we were all in shock (laughs) there wasn't anything super (laughs) unexpected like none of these songs are really like songs of the 2010s and also the core of this opening is still Lady Marmalade and still um, Because We Can is still Gallop Inferno. Um, and like Burning Down the House, I would say, is one of the biggest additions, but it's still like not a super big song right now. So it's like our friend Alice, who came and saw this with us, she did not know Moulin Rouge was a jukebox musical, um, <laughs> even though she had seen the movie. And it wasn't until the next number when she was like, what the fuck is happening? So, well, actually, to that point, I was looking up the songs in the original musical, right? And Lady Marmalade, I think, is like 70s. Mm-hmm. And then um, Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend is from Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, like widely known as the Marilyn Monroe movie from... 53 but i think it was like a broadway musical four years before that and then your song is like also i think 70s and elephant love medley has a few slightly newer songs but it's pretty much all in the 80s and the most recent song in elephant love medley is i will always love you by whitney houston which is still like a decade before the movie came out so in the original, even though like it was a jukebox musical that used like popular, maybe top 40, I don't know, songs, it like was not that modern hmm. in terms yeah. of like their choices. And the ones here are like within the last like five to eight years of pop music. Yeah, but they also add stuff that are from the 70s. So like it's a very wide range of yeah songs which is very confusing my favorite addition to the intro is money i think like the lyrics just make Mm -hmm. a lot of sense because it's the best things in life are free but you can keep them for the birds and bees now give me money yeah and that's basically the theme of this whole song or whole show (laughs) exactly 
I like I really like it when yeah. they do that part. So yeah. The best things in life are free. But you can keep them for the birds and bees. I got money. That's what I want. Well, so the next song, the title, like, Truth, Beauty, Freedom, Love, which we kind of talked about this after we saw it, was they were really pushing this whole, like, the ideals of bohemians are truth, beauty, freedom, love. And we were like, why didn't they capitalize mm-hmm. on the whole, like, what's it, the best thing in life that you'll learn is to love and be loved in return? And that's yeah. so much more apparent in the movie. Like, Toulouse-Lautrec, I yeah. think it's him, has that whole line where he's like, is trying to remember his line in the stage show and he's like and he like yells it and that's what stops christian from leaving and then that's like you know the big revelation of the whole show and here they only say it like once twice maybe and it's not really twice but like one after the other um i mean it's like a straight up song lyric from nature boy right so but it seemed like what would have been the takeaway from the movie and it's Definitely not the takeaway from the musical. And it's so pretty. It's like a good line. Yeah. Before this song, which I think is like Royals, Children of the Revolution, and We Are Young by Fun, yeah. right? Um, they do The Sound of Music. Right. Which is not on the track, which is not like in the recording. In yeah. the cast they also recording. do it in the movie. So, so it's... Are they still paying for that? <laughs> they have to be, right? Okay, so... For those that haven't seen the movie and are still listening, in the in the movie they also do this, where they basically just pretend that Rogers and Hammerstein never existed, and they're like Toulouse Trek and um, Santiago. Yeah, Santiago. They're like trying to write their own like show, and they're like the hills are alive, and they're like failing at coming up with words, and then in the musical. Aaron Tveit, like, bursts on the scene and he, like, sings this, like, perfect rendition of, like, the hills are alive. And and it's, like, incredible. Which, honestly, that could deserve entrance applause. Um, but they're like, yeah, so we just wrote this, or, like, Christian just wrote this because Rogers and Hammerstein aren't a thing. And this is gonna be our new big number that he's like yeah i can write songs background toulouse and santiago are like bohemian revolution veterans and they're like very into the artiste life um so they're just like chilling and trying to write this shit and they're like the hills are alive with the screams of i don't know manic hyenas or something (laughs) something like the proletariat and tibet walks over and he's just like the hills are alive with the sound of music and the reverb on that is insane they didn't even like introduce him as a songwriter really they were like here's a dumb bitch from ohio what's he gonna do in paris you know so yeah he was just like i'm just gonna see what's going on that's true they never really explain how or why he went to paris which also kind of brings me to another point, which is that, like, later on when he meets Satine, Satine is like, oh, you have, like, an interesting accent. Like, you're not from around here. Everyone had super weird accents. Like, Satine was doing, like, this vaguely, like, British accent. And then, um, and it would also, like, sort of come and go. And Toulouse Trek mostly had a French accent, but then when he sings Nature Boy, he, like, didn't. Um, Santiago, I think, is pretty... Um, consistent with his accent but i was like don't draw attention to something if you're not going to do it consistently and also not accurately because well if you think about like because we can 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 it's definitely like because we con 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 (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, I don't even know if the movie was like trying on accents because like Nicole is Australian and then the guy right. that plays Harold Zidler is um who's I British. Don't. Maybe they should have all done a French accent. I mean, they're supposed to be right. French. <laughs> Which like I wouldn't even care if they all had like kind of natural accents because mm-hmm. Moulin Rouge is already so like campy and Yeah. Um so this song, Truth, Beauty, Freedom, Love is not too bad. I like this mashup actually. I thought this like both the lyrics and the numbers, they fit well together. They made good song selections. It didn't feel like they were just trying to shove in songs for the sake of shoving in songs. Lyric-wise, it made sense. Um, like, Toulouse starts singing royals, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so they're, he's just talking about, like, we're poor artists. And, like, that's cool. But even though, like, I think towards the end of the song, it, like, ended up being pretty fun and everyone was into it. I thought it was, like, a little awkward or at least like really cheesy when he just like jumps down stage and he's like tonight we are young and i'm like oh no <laughs> i mean that didn't bother me too much because i was like you know how like americans are portrayed in like foreigners eyes where it's like oh all these like dumb americans they're just like here to quote unquote experience culture and so like that checked out for me he is like exactly that like all his like dance moves and headbangs are so boy band. And then they keep in a tiny bit of Children of the Revolution, which is like the main song from the movie, which I actually like that one. Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense because, you know, France has just undergone a revolution again. We have the song where I'm guessing the writer just like searched <laughs> diamonds in Spotify and picked the top three songs. I actually kind of like this arrangement, though. I didn't think it was too awkward. I don't love this either. I honestly like if they were going to add a bunch of random songs to this show, like fine. But I'm really mad they like messed up the original medleys. They should just like added new songs completely i think the um the rihanna like shine bright like a diamond was like one too much but i felt like single ladies was kind of fun even though it did kind of detract from this like diamonds theme love diamonds are forever even though the lyrics make sense because like basically like sparkling diamonds in the broadway musical took up like a lot of different tones whereas like in the movie it was like this one cohesive thing that's true where she's just like having fun and then this one was like a lot and then also the commodore's brick house is literally just one line where like the guys point at Satine and they're like she's a brick house and I'm like what the (laughs) fuck does that even mean like that's kind of (laughs) rude also so how do we feel about the tuberculosis attack 
in this compared to in the yeah, middle. So like in the movie, she literally like falls off her fucking swing, right? Right. And here she just like she like kind of like doubles over on stage and um and then she's just like back in it. Okay, so that to me makes more sense because I feel like if she fell off a swing, people would be more concerned and the Duke's <laughs> like, maybe I don't want her fluids, you know? <laughs> but like I feel like that's like a lot. So the toned down thing like makes more sense plot wise. I think the other problem with changing these medleys is just like now they have to sort of shift story moments around them and they don't quite know where to put them. I really like the dance moves that they did do to this um, because like at first it's like the background ensemble comes and does all these dances and then Karen Oliva just like joins them. And I actually really liked that sort of thing rather than um, Satine just staying on the swing the whole time. Because then I was just like, all right, cool. You're just like sitting there. But then in the musical, it's like, oh, but she's singing and dancing. Like, look at her go. Yeah. And they did have the swing, sort of. Yeah. I was honestly surprised they had just that. Not for a It like came down and I was like, oh. It would have been so cool if it had more range. Like, that would have been wild. What do you but mean? That's probably too By much. like have more. Like if she like swung over the audience. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they do outfit like the whole theater. They just cover the whole theater in like red velvet, basically. They're like. Even the walls. Yeah. And they have like chandeliers into the mezzanine and they have like confetti cannons and like they change the like wall lighting to be like chandelier lighting. Um, But at that point, I kind of wish they pulled a great comment and just made it like fully immersive rather than just like, here, we'll just extend the set to the mezzanine. Wait, why was Great Comet fully immersive? So, like, Great Comet, they didn't have a stage. Like, the whole seating area was kind of their stage. Like, they built catwalks into the orchestra and into the mezzanine. And they built, like, a ramp up from the orchestra to the mezzanine. And so they would have actors running, like, up and down, like, the sides and, like, running into the mezzanine to, like, sing things and, like, perform there and, like, all of that stuff. It's just so much cardio. I know, yeah. And, like, the the actors in Great Comet were like, I climb, like, 70 flights of stairs every performance or something like that. And, oh, my God. Yeah. And so, like, I feel like I um, like they do have can-can seating, which is, like, tables right in front of the stage. It's, like, instead of the first five rows or so, they just have, like, a table area. But then also there's a... um. There's a passerol like that goes behind the can-can seating. And so if you're sitting there, you are kind of missing the main viewpoint of the show where you're seeing both the actors that come out into the front and the actors like on stage at the same time, even though I think that would yes. be a really cool place to sit. I don't think it's worth it because like the set is very much built for like distance, uh, like a far. Yeah, like a farther view. Yeah. I mean. If I do see it again, I would want to see it way closer. And, like, I feel like that'd be a cool place to sit if you've already seen it once. But I feel like the show as it's built is meant to be viewed from not the can-can seats. Yeah, I- I'd still rather see it from, like, first row mezzanine or mid-orchestra. Yeah. As opposed to the can-can seats. They're not, I mean, unless, like, 
I just really wanted to see Aaron to that. Well, speaking of terrible medleys, I think the next song is one of the worst. Well, okay, so I will say I just love the song Shut Up and Dance. Me too. And so I will take it in whatever form it is in. No. Um, nope. Okay, so two things about this. When they were talking, because they, they have this sort of conversation before it launches into the song, and they're playing this like background hook, and I recognized the hook, and I knew that it was for Shut Up and Dance, because we played the song in marching band, and we had to play that. And so I was like, oh, this is Shut Up and Dance. But the way they launch into this medley is literally like he's talking to her after the the like Diamond Medley show, and she thinks he's the Duke. And he's like, I don't even remember what he's saying, but he's saying some random shit about how, like, oh, I look forward to, like, you know, um, showing you my work or whatever the fuck. And then she's like, oh, well, like, shut up and dance with me. And it's, like, very obvious that it's supposed to be, like, for this song. And that was kind of the moment where I was like, oh, this is what the show is. This show is very self-aware about how cheesy their lines are and how much they're just, like, cramming in the lines to make references to the song. And that's just what the show is, so take it or leave it. And that was kind of the uh, fulcrum for me of being, like, this show is just going to be like this. And you can either accept it at that face value or just be mad about it. And so... So I've, like, pre-gamed and done makeup to this song with (laughs) friends once. And, like... Like the song goes, and then when it goes, she said, We would all do like the ooh, shut up and dance with me. And then in my head, I was like, Oh, if someone did this as like a cheesy duet, that would be so bad. <laughs> like, I thought that in my head before I knew it was part of Moulin Rouge. So, like, Aaron Tibet sings, I said, You're holding back. She said, And the spotlight switches, and Karen Olivo goes, Shut up and dance with me. Like, it's not built for two people anyway, because there's no like, breath or anything in between and it's just like so uncomfortable yeah and i mean i don't know why they did that because the whole conceit of the show is that like christian is telling this story about how he met the love of his life that he only knew for like two days so it would have made more sense for like future christian to sort of step out then and sort of narrate what happened and then they wouldn't have had to have Karen Olivo sing that line. This woman is my destiny, she said. Ooh, ooh, shut up and dance with me. The medley is, it's called Shut Up and Raise Your Glass, but it actually has Shut Up and Dance, Raise Your Glass, and I Want to Dance with Somebody, which I think those three songs mm-hmm. actually fit fairly well. But there is kind of this thing where um, all the arrangements outside of basically the ones that existed in the movie are kind of like, Let's have song one play. Let's have song two play. Now let's put song one over song two. And that's going to be our number. And they kind of all do that same thing. And it does get a little bit tiring after a while. But this is only the second time they've done it. So I wasn't mad about it yet. I mean, Shut Up and Dance and I Want to Dance with Somebody definitely worked well. Um, The staging wasn't the best, but it was good. It was, like, fun. But also, like, if Satine thinks that this is the Duke... I don't know if Shut Up and Dance is the best song for this. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. She's like, all right, let's go. <laughs> She's like, we'll get into bed later. It'll be fine. Actually, that stuff I really missed from the movie. Um, you remember when, um, like, before 
Christian sings our song and he's like, I'm going to read you a poem. And she thinks that's like code word for dirty talk. So Nicole Kidman's like rolling on the ground moaning because she's like (laughs) faking her excitement for this poem. (laughs) Like they didn't do anything weird like that. And I love that stuff. It was so funny. I do think that added to sort of the um, tone of the movie, which they could have done. Like this musical seemed like it was simultaneously trying to take itself more seriously and less seriously in the musical numbers. Mm-hmm. Like, all the book scenes were like, oh, we want you to feel real emotion. But then all the musical numbers were like, look at all these songs we have. And then the movie kind of struck a closer balance. We are song is one of the few songs that is not a mashup but it's still not good <laughs> yeah it was it was unnecessary so i think in terms of like characterization it's meant to replace one day i'll fly away um so the song we're talking about is a Karen Lavo solo um and it's fireworks by katie perry where she basically is just like i feel awful well okay so i have a lot of issues with this because I don't like One Day I'll Fly Away. I think it's a boring song. I think it's not very interesting in either its composition or its lyrics or really like anything. She's basically like, one day I'm going to leave this place and be a like real actress and not have to get by on just my body. One Day I'll Fly Away, despite its failings as an actual song, is a real I want song. It like enumerates her like goals and motivations and like what she wants in life. One day I'll fly away Leave all this to yesterday What more could your love do for me? So I think the real thing that they lost with swapping One Day I'll Fly Away for this is that um, in the scene of One Day I'll Fly Away, they make it clear that Satine wants to be a real actor in the movie. As like an audience, if you're not thinking about the movie, you think that like her main motivation is like, oh, I'm going to fuck this Duke so I can save the burlesque. Yeah, I guess they maybe wanted to push a more feminist view because it's more like, oh, these are all my sisters and my friends and I want to make sure that they're they're okay and they're stable and that they can have work and they have a place to go. Because I think they're talking about how like, oh, we were on the streets before we were able to like get picked up by the Moulin Rouge and this became our new home. And I feel like they were kind of trying to push that, but then it just kind of got lost in all the craziness of the, yeah. It wasn't super evident, I don't think. But, like, I just, like, it kind of, like, makes it so that Satine really lacks characterization. Or not even that, but, like, she's a lot more morbid because in the movie she's like, I have a dream, too. And then here she's just like, welp. Yeah. (laughs) Well, so the thing is, like, normally... In this sort of slot, you have an I want song, which details the character's motivations, or you have an I am song, which details like who the character is 
which also sort of gives you an idea as to the character's motivations. Firework is like a self-affirmation song. It's like literally the line right before that is Ziegler being like, and remember, the Duke will be expecting the sparkling diamond. And she's like, I know how to handle people like him. Her being super sexy and all that is not her normal default mode. And so she's like, well, I need to be this different person. This is not the person who I want to be. Like, that's her real motivation. And she just wants to, like, kind of be free to do what she wants and not have to seduce guys for a living to ensure her livelihood. Do you know that there's still a chance for you? Because there's a spark in you. You just got to ignite the light and let it shine. Just hold the night like the 4th of July. Also, also, they missed the red dress. In the movie, they're like tying her into her red dress because it was a corset back. She doesn't wear red in this show. It's very upsetting. She wears maroon, like I said, which is not the same as red. As, as we, we learned from Kinky, Kinky Boots, Boots, the last show in this exact theater. Thank fucking God they keep your song intact. For the most part. Yeah. Well, so when I first listened to the recording of this, because Karen Oliva is kind of a shock to the system if you're used to Nicole Kidman, especially because... Like you mentioned, Aaron Tveit plays Ewan McGregor like very closely. And so, and this is kind of the first song where I was like, oh, okay, this kind of fits because when they start singing it together, she does sort of like soften up to match his tone and stuff. And in the in the other songs that she sings, she's very like upfront and belty about it. And here she actually pulls back a little. And I thought that was a really great decision on whoever's part. Um, because they actually do match each other, even though they don't really have that much vocal chemistry. Yeah, they don't. Maybe it's just her, because, like, she was able to pull back. And I mean, like, Ava Novozada could not. Yeah. Ever. <laughs> right. I don't think she has a mode outside yeah, of belting. Yeah, I mean. But she belts really well, so it's fine. She does. I hope you don't mind. I hope you don't mind. That I put down in But also in the movie, he starts by talking because Christian is a poet in the movie. And he says, right. like, it's a little bit funny, this feeling inside, blah, blah, which does kind of sound like like sex. So that's why she's like, oh, yes, your dirty talk turns me on, you know. Um, but then which I, I think is one of the greatest. Scenes yeah, in it's the movie. so funny. But like he starts talking and then he slowly transitions. Well, he doesn't really sing until my gift is my song. Yeah. Yeah, but then in the show, he starts singing right off the bat. And was like, all right, I guess you're just going to go. There are some arrangement differences. Overall, it's intact. It's not like your song's not mashed together with anything else. So I didn't hate it. I mean, I, I liked it. <laughs> Do you remember if in the movie she sings with him? Like I don't this? think so. I, actually I think they just yeah. dance together, but they don't sing. And then mm -hmm. she's like, I'm in love with a young, handsome duke. Well, it's like the whole, like, again, it's basically Orpheus. You're like just this poor dude who can kind of write a song. And this did kind of remind me of Hades Town because 
the girl's just not super into the guy until he comes up with the song. And she's like, wow, he's an amazing writer. Now I love him. Also, can we just talk about how, like, um, Santiago and Talisa Trek are just, like, awkwardly hanging outside her window on her balcony? Yeah, it's fucking creepy. (laughs) They're like, oh, yeah, you go. Get that girl. (laughs) Like, he's like, I'm a writer. Here are my friends. They're just on your balcony. (laughs) And she was like, and she, like, recognizes Talisa Trek. And they have, like, history or whatever. And she was like... I thought I told you to never come back or some other bullshit like that. But then then the Duke comes in and I guess it's like a good thing that they were there because now they have a have a reason for Was being Toulouse with her. into her in the movie? I don't remember. I, I have don't no clue. I think so, but I can't be sure. Also, yeah, I, I was looking through the movie soundtrack and it doesn't seem like um like the pitch song is even there. Hmm. They definitely had I don't a pitch think they song. Recorded it. Um, yeah, yeah, but, but it's like it's not they didn't the record it as like yeah. a proper song, I think. Yeah. Interesting. So the pitch song doesn't change much. Yeah. It's fantastic. I, I know. I think it's great. So you arranged this rendezvous in order to audition your new show for me, hoping I would invest. <gasps> Nailed it in one! Yes, yes, exactly. So what's the story of your show? <laughs> the story! Ah, yes! Uh... There'll be Lovers and singers and entrepreneurs depravity. Yeah, I I mean I think it's just a it's it's a fun song. You get to watch them like scramble and do some improv and be like, oh fuck, well now we gotta come up with a show. Which I think it's it doesn't bother me as a lot because it's like very self-referential, but the show is literally the story of this actual show. And very much like the plot of the show. The show that they pitched doesn't sound that good. I'm like, <laughs> if I were the Duke, I would not go for that. Well, I guess when you have money, you can just throw it at whatever you want. And they're so clearly not prepared. They're like, oh, he's a lion tamer. No, he's a songwriter. No, he's a sailor. Then the Duke's just like, yeah, yeah, this makes sense. Maybe he's just one of those people that like go to high art for the sake of going to art and being like, I have status. I go to art or maybe he just has a ton of money so it's like you know when i buy socks <laughs> and i'm like i don't really know why i need this but you know i'll get it <laughs> so the sailor driven mad determined to unseat this cat swears to risk his life for love and there's our show all of the above spectacular savagery a testament to lunacy fun for the whole family He's honestly like not that bad to her. Like he does get abusive. I know. Okay. Well, that for a long time he's very. That's nice. the issue I have with Christian. Is like, well, she's not actually being abused. Like he's like, oh, I want to see you in like a different costume. I want to dress you up. And even though that's like not really her style, it's not like he's like beating her or anything and christian's like i don't like the way he treats you like you're some dress-up doll to him and i'm like okay but first of all she chose this second of all she's doing it to save all of your asses like stop trying to fuck this up for her yeah and like this part wasn't in the movie but the duke is like i'm gonna i bought you a mansion you're gonna have a chauffeur like everything's gonna be perfect and she's like nah (laughs) 
He's like, all you have to give me is your heart. And it's like, well, she's an actress. She can act. Well, I guess like the sad thing was like the Duke was like, oh, you can't dance anymore. You got to be a lady. That's true. Yeah. And she was like, nah, I don't want to do that. Like, but the Moulin Rouge, which I also don't think was in the movie. Well, yeah, because she didn't like the Moulin Rouge as much in the movie. The Duke literally says in the musical, like, you're going to be my mistress. You're going to have your own house. Like, because my mistress needs to not be seen at the Moulin Rouge where other guys can, like, look upon her semi-naked form. Um, Which honestly makes a lot of sense, I guess. I mean, I just, like, he's not a nice guy, but, like... You know, he just wants what he paid for. Well, like, did you see all the, because uh, they just did the Little Mermaid Live thing on ABC, which I haven't actually really watched yet, but there were a ton of tweets that were like, Ursula's just a businesswoman. She's not an evil villain. She signed a contract with Ariel, and Ariel accepted the terms, and she's just following up on those terms. Yes, well, so fittingly, the next song is Sympathy for the Duke, which I think is kind of underrated because it doesn't suck. Right. Okay. Well, so apparently this was one of the songs that they wanted in the original musical, but they couldn't get the rights to it. And then oh. um, then I think it was Justin Levine, the uh, musical supervisor. He literally like recorded himself singing it in the style that he like thought it should be sung in in the um in the musical and then sent it off to like the Rolling Stones manager and he was like, "All right, this is my idea for it. This is how it's going to work." And they're like, "You know what? This seems great." And then they gave him the rights even though Boz Lerman couldn't get them. So, that was actually one thing wow. that transferred over. Um, which is pretty cool. So, first of all, it is um just like a Rolling Stones medley basically. They only have Rolling Stones songs in it. It's Sympathy for the Devil, You Can't Always Get What You Want, and Give Me Shelter, which um, I think was nice because there are so many songs in this musical that just like span genres and decades and have really and it sounds awkward really weird. Exactly. And this sounded very cohesive. Like if yeah. you didn't know, you wouldn't really know like where the songs were cut from one another. I mean, I do think the entry into it was a little awkward. Um, some of the lines don't quite fit, but the actual arrangement. And it's such is a fine. good song for the Duke, like "Sympathy for the Devil," like the "Please let me introduce myself. I'm a man of wealth and taste." Mm-hmm. It's just it's such a good line for the Duke. Yeah. Please allow me to introduce myself. I'm a man of wealth and taste. I've been around for a long, long year Stole many a girl's soul to waste I feel like they did give more characterization to the Duke here than in the movie, which is, it may or may not be good or bad, um, because you do at least understand what kind of person the Duke is. His, well, I think they, like, uglified him for the musical, but, like, the actor is really pretty yeah. cute. A lot of the reviews so, actually said that Satine seemed to have more chemistry with the Duke than she did with Christian, which is a little awkward. <laughs> but Aww. I so didn't think she had amazing chemistry with Christian, but like I didn't think she had necessarily more chemistry with the Duke either. I mean, if I were in her position, I would have probably chosen yeah. the Duke anyway because Christian just seemed not good enough for her. But like it wasn't like a very obvious clear cut thing. 
but maybe Aaron Tvet is just out of everyone's league and really, really beautiful and waiting for me to find him in Astoria. <laughs> you know? So after like the pitch song, everyone else exits and then the Duke stays in this room with Satine and he's like, so this is me. I would like to purchase you. <laughs> What, you know, what every girl wants to hear when exactly. they get picked up. And she's like, all right, sounds about right. So, um, yeah, that's the it whole It is, thing. like, kind of her job, so it's fine, I yeah. guess. You know, yep. prostitution yep. is a great thing in 20th century Paris. You can't always get what you want. You can't always get what you want. But if you try sometimes, you just might find. I feel like we don't need to talk that much about Nature Boy unless you want to get into it, but it's basically just like um, Talisa Trek telling his sob story about how he's also in love with Satine, and he's like, yeah, but she's out of my league, and she's probably out of yours too, and then later he's like, no, you should go get her to um, Christian. And I was like, Well, right. this kind of pissed me off, because I feel like if you really, really like someone... You would not like, like, tell someone else to go ask her out. Maybe he just felt sorry for Christian because Christian was so dumb and innocent. And I guess like he's probably like Christian's a better alternative for the Duke, but still, like, I just can't see someone that like really liked Satine going over and saying this. Yeah. So like, and I don't think like in the movie Toulouse liked Satine, so I don't know why they had to add that in. Or like, if he did, That's it true. was probably more of like an awkward like uncle crush, mm-hmm. and not like this like very serious thing that he made it in this song. But this is a song where they do the learn to love and be loved and return stuff, and yeah. that's really it. Also, not a mashup, so. They had a really cool set. Well, not super cool, but it was like a different set for this because for once it wasn't just all red. It was like a random street, kind of an alley. It's a little gray. Yeah. Which it was nice mm. to have some differentiation between because the whole like mezzanine ceiling and walls are red anyway. So when the whole stage is red too, it's kind of a lot. The greatest thing. right into elephant love right. okay okay are you ready for this i am so i these are the songs that i wrote down while listening to it i probably don't have all of them so you're gonna have to add for me so okay. they kept in um in the name of love by you two and then they have play the game by queen love hurts um take on me and then i will always love you forever don't speak Everlasting Love, Mm -hmm. What's Love Got to Do With It by Tina Turner, which may or may not be in Tina. Who knows? (laughs) And then they have Can't Help Falling in Love by Elvis Presley, Torn, and then Loveless Mm -hmm. Up to Where We Belong from the original Heroes by David Bowie, I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston. So according to Wikipedia, it's All You Need Is Love, Just One Night, Pride in the Name of Love, Play the Game, Love Hurts. Take on me, you mentioned it ain't me, babe. 
I love you always forever. You mentioned love is a battlefield. Don't speak. Did you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you did mention that one. Um, Apparently children of the revolution again. What? Everlasting love. Um, What's all got to do with it? Fidelity. Cannot falling in love. Torn. Such great heights. Up where we belong. Heroes. Your song. I will always love you. It was a lot. And I, I feel like the transitions here just, I don't know if I just gotten used to listening to the movie version of Elephant Love Medley, but I feel like the transitions here weren't as smooth. Take me no, 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 because you be gone in a day or two. I love you always, forever, near and far, closer together, everywhere. Love I will be with you. I will do for you Don't speak, I know just what you're thinking So please stop explaining Don't tell me cause it hurts When we were watching this I thought they just added a ton of shit to Elephant Love Medley But then when I was listening to the soundtrack afterwards They removed a ton of shit from Elephant Love Medley And that pisses me off Because... They're, you're not like wait what did they remove they removed so many songs they removed um silly love songs like the people oh, want to yeah, fill the true. world with silly love songs good they mm-hmm, they removed um i was made for loving you baby you were made for loving me yeah and then they removed um no they kept okay so they kept in one more night i guess they, they heroes, removed right? love as many splendored thing but that's really only the beginning so that doesn't matter as much did they have all you need is love for um, real? No, th- that is listed. I think it is. It's still in there. It might have oh, just I been like him speaking it. though, not necessarily mm. um, song. Oh, and they also removed the "Don't leave me this way." <laughs> Don't leave me this way. Mm-hmm. They removed that. Can't help falling in love. Like by Elvis is an amazing song that. Um, Someone also skated too in <laughs> the last Winter Olympics. Um, oh, oh, it's that really attractive Russian kid. He did like an Elvis uh, medley. Well, so the mashup was a mess, but there are a few things that I really, really liked about um, how Elephant Love Medley was like staged and done. Because I think around the time where they start sing- singing like we could be heroes, um, they have Harold Dillard selling Moulin Rouge to the Duke because the Duke is like, yeah, I'm not going to invest. I'm going to buy this place. And if Satine fucks up, then like you're all going right. under. And it's like that moment where they're like falling in love. And then like this transaction goes through during like uh, like f- downstage in that mm-hmm. passageway area. So I felt like that was done incredibly yeah. well because there was that like juxtaposition. And then also they start the song in her like elephant bedroom. But then in the movie, they like run up to the top of the elephant and they're like in the sky and everything. So the bedroom like turns around and then you can see like the city behind it. And there's a lot going on. Eiffel Tower. And that was very cool. Just they in case do. you didn't know that it was Paris. It's in Paris now. <laughs> the other thing though is that they like an elephant love medley and it's like lights out for intermission. And I don't know. It just didn't feel like an act one closing. Like, I mean, it makes sense because where else would you put act one closing? 
like they don't build it up to be a super huge moment and maybe that's because they like built up your song at the end of the medley and then launched into i will always love you and maybe if they just hadn't done that it would have felt like the build was actually more genuine i don't know it just didn't feel completely set in a like wow that was a great closing number kind of thing like it was no one day more Anyways, that concludes part one of our Moulin Rouge episode, so make sure you're subscribed to us on whatever podcast player you're using so that you can make sure you get part two. You can also follow us on Instagram or Twitter at bottomlessbway or just email us bottomlessbway at gmail.com. If you like this podcast, please leave us a review if you listen on Apple Podcasts, and we will be back next week. 